is this thing on? Is this thing on? I, I don't know about you, Anthony, but I had to dust off my microphone tonight. Uh, it's been a while, and uh, we're, we're going with the old school setup here. I'm sitting at my dining room table in the dark uh, here at the later hours of the evening, bringing you Crossed Up, a fresh episode of Crossed Up. It's been a while. It's been since October since we've recorded one of these things, and obviously we are not in Bal Kimwood tonight. No. What got us here? Not Joe Girardi, not Zach Wheeler, but the signing of D.D. Gregorius has brought us back from the dead. Uh, so we have a lot to catch up on. We have not recorded, obviously, in almost two months now. Things have been going on with the Phillies. I, I don't know about you, man, but like we obviously still meet every week doing crossing broadcast over at uh, 610 ESPN. I, I, I just... How do you feel about this team right now? I mean, like, let's just cut to the chase and get into it. You know, obviously, they're, they're spending a lot of money. Uh, they're, they're being aggressive, as we kind of suspected that they would be heading into this offseason. I, I don't know about you, but, like, I don't hate what's happening, but I don't feel like you are going to be purchasing your playoff tickets quite yet either. No, I, I mean, it's... I... I'll tell you what. I, I mean, I, I, I always – And mind you, by the way, there are, like, people that have been asking us on Twitter, like, hey, are you guys going to record? Are you guys yeah, going to come I, back? I what are you doing, right? And and I think that they just – they crave and they miss our negativity. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm serving it up for you right now. Like, <laughs> Tell me what you think about Didi Gregorius. Yeah. Well, let me, say, let me say this first and foremost. I, I'm always willing to give the team the benefit of time as far as an offseason is concerned. Because to sit here and, and try and offer a assessment of what they've done is a little premature. Um, I don't hate what they've done, but I don't necessarily love what uh, they've all right. done. Either. So we so just talked a, about we just yeah. talked about our order of operations, how we were going to do this before we started recording. But now I'm going to totally break it and and let's oh, just start thanks, here. Bob. Let's let's go back in time and we'll go to obviously the firing of Gabe Kapler, which uh, I know that you were on board with, and as much of a defender of his uh, as I, I was, think, I mean, uh, you know, obviously. I, I'm okay with that, especially with the counter move being to, to bring in Joe Girardi. I think right. it's hard to argue, even being a, a supporter or a defender of Gabe Kapler, that this is not a um, – not only is it an upgrade, but it's a significant upgrade as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's an upgrade. Um, and and to be, the, the funny thing is, is that, you know, the town went – when it happened, when they hired Girardi, everybody went kind of crazy. Um, and like, oh, yeah, this is the manager we need. Da, 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 da. They're not too dissimilar, um, Joe and, and Gabe. <laughs> I mean, they're really not. There are, there, there are things that are certainly significantly different between the two, but their overall kind of approach to planning out a game and, and executing that game plan are not too dissimilar. Right. So. That, that's that's the funny thing. I think that what the difference is, obviously, is experience with Girardi. Um, he's won a World Series. And his ability to, you know, break away from his preconceived plan in the moment. I think he's, he's, a, he's a better improviser. If, yeah, if so, like, you hear that he's an analytically – He's an analytically driven guy, but that you know, one of the things you hear is that he's good with the bullpen and that he yeah. knows how to manage a bullpen and he understands the feel and the flow of how these guys are, are right. performing and when to go to certain guys in certain situations and that may not uh, mesh with what the numbers present to him. So I think that that is going to be a positive and obviously he carries with him a certain 
I don't know, a certain air about him. He's he obviously has credibility. Bob? Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> it's too late at night. Uh, it's a little too late at night for me uh, to, to be pulling out that one. But yeah, like I mean, obviously there's a little bit more credibility with this guy here, and so I think that that's a, a positive start, and we are both in agreement of that. And and that kind of takes you to Zach Wheeler. I, I think that our reaction to Zach Wheeler was similar. I look at it and. I'm okay with the idea of taking a player that is 29 years old who may still have his best seasons ahead of him. And again, maybe has his best seasons ahead of him. Even if he doesn't, even if he just simply replicates what he did in 2018 and 2019, the Phillies have a a marked upgrade in their rotation from, from what they trotted out there last year. Although that wouldn't be really hard to do, obviously. I, I look at this and it's, I think anytime you spend that type of money on a guy, you want to feel like that it's a move that puts you over the top or that you can say like, hey, we went out and we signed this marquee free agent and now we're a playoff team. Sort of how we felt last year with maybe when they acquired JT Real Muto and certainly when they signed Bryce Harper, it felt like, okay, here we come. After witnessing the reality that was the 2019 Phillies, it's hard to say that a Zach Wheeler alone and, and the hiring of Joe Girardi and even the addition of D.D. Gregorius is, is enough to make this a playoff team. I think that optimistically, as things sit right now, given the back end of the rotation, given the the question marks throughout the bullpen, and, and really still, I think... Uh, a better lineup, but one with some holes in it. I still think that this is like a mid-80s win team. So I can look at the Wheeler signing, and I, I can be like, yeah, this is this is a good move, but like, there's got to be more. There's got to be corresponding and subsequent moves for yeah, me. I, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. And, and I, I look at Zach Wheeler, and yeah, you're right. It is an upgrade. I mean, we don't have to, you know, you hope we don't have to watch Vinny Velasquez five inning, four and two-thirds, four innings, you know, 12 hits. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we can get to him in right. a minute, but he he still exists, right? Uh, well, like, I know he's I know well, he still exists, right? But at the same time, if they get to bring in another starting pitcher, let's say they go out and get another mid rotation kind of guy, I mean, you, you keep I mean, I, you keep hearing names like they might try and trade for a guy like Robbie Ray, for example, right? Let, so let's let's say that that's something that they they do. Well, where the hell is Velasquez going to end up? He's got bullpen, I would think. Um, but anyway, you look at Wheeler and they're, – They're out on Cole, right? Like we agree there. Like there is no chance in hell that Garrett Cole is in play for the Phillies. I, I, I would be stunned at this point. I mean, because um, you're talking what, I'd, eight I'd years, maybe $35 million a year at I'd, this point, maybe I'd better? I'd be flabbergasted. If they, look, if they do, great, but I'd be stunned. I mean, I feel um, like he's going to push – Two hundred eighty million eight years, two hundred ninety million eight yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. I so mean, but, like, I think that's where we're headed here with him. Right. But so my 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 point is, is that Wheeler is an improvement, but he's not, he's not an ace. He's not even really a two. I mean, the Phillies are going to try and sell him that way, but he's to me, he's more of a three. I think if Zach Wheeler is is your third starter, honestly, your third starter, not something that you know, I, I just. I think that that's a, a a really good start. Like I I think don't even think they have to go out and get another top of the rotation guy, so to speak. Like I think that you can get by if Aaron Nola is twenty eighteen Aaron Nola. I think you can get by with someone that gives you similar production to what you're hoping from uh, or hoping for out of of Zach Wheeler. You know what I mean? Like if you can get that three, like if you could have two threes, then I think you're okay. But I think right now the problem is you have what you hope is an ace in Aaron Nola. And what I think is an ace in Aaron Nola, although, you know, obviously there are some concerns there. There was some regression last season. But then it goes, 
to, like you said, maybe a two, probably a three, and then just, again, a bunch of question marks in the back end here. Like, you know, I know that that Zach Eflin finished strong, and once he went against the advice of of, uh, Chris Young and and the coaching staff, he seemed to turn a corner. But, like, I don't don't know how much I – Buy it. Like, I don't know how, I don't feel safe about it, that's for sure. I don't feel confident that he's going to come in and, and continue that in, in 2020. Though it's possible, I just, I'm just not there, right? Like, I just think that this is a, a pretty decent team, but it, it's just, I'm not excited. Like, I don't think that right now, as we sit here, especially in this division, you can say that this is a playoff team. I think you're lying to yourself if you think this is a playoff team right now. Yeah, no, it's not. And, and it's, it's not because it hasn't finished the rotation. It hasn't resolved the bench problem. It hasn't resolved the bullpen. I mean, there's a lot. There's still a lot of things that have to be fixed, right, and, and, and rectified. And it's just not there yet, Bob. And we can get the Gregorius specifically. And I know that you have some concerns about him. I'm a little bit more bullish on on Didi Gregorius than you are. And we can have that back and forth in a couple of minutes. But I think that the more pressing issue at this point is what are the Phillies going to do between now and February? And the question that they're going to have to answer, and, and answer it quickly, I think, because we're seeing a certainly a much more fast-moving market this season than we did last year and the season before, or the offseason before, I should say. Is this a team that's going to or be willing to go over the luxury tax threshold? And right now they're up against it. After this Gregorius signing, you're talking about less than $5 million to hit this tax. Now, this presents a problem for the Phillies, obviously. If they're not willing to go over it, they're not going to be able to spend on a difference-making free agent or even really be able to fill in some of these holes on the bench that you're talking about in an adequate fashion. So if they're not willing to do that, and again, there's some indications that they're reluctant to do so, but it's not set in stone, then the question becomes, does this front office, and this is a question that I have asked now for two seasons, and I would love to hear what you have to say about it, does Matt Klintak and and does this front office, do they, do they possess the creativity necessary or needed to navigate and finish this offseason on a strong note? Or can they... Are they just simply guys that say, okay, he's a good player and we have the money, so we signed him? I mean, because so far all we've seen is that they're capable of that. Do, do I think they, they have it? Maybe, but I, do I have confidence that they do? No. It, it seems like I almost call it like a, a creative ineptitude in a way. Yeah. Like I, I just – I don't know, man. Like make a trade. Find me a savvy veteran. Find me a guy that, that's low cost with some upside – they have not identified that play. You know, they actually they did. I, I'm, I'm being dishonest in saying that. Charlie Morton, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was that was the guy. But other than that, I mean, they 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 haven't. And it, you know, it's it's. I think in order to get to where they want to be, they're going to have to make not just one of those types of moves, but you know, I, I think they're going to have to make several of these moves to do it. And and that's my concern. Yeah, I, and I'm not convinced that they can, and and that's why uh, you know the jury is still out um, for this off season, and 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 it will be until until we hit mid February, um, likely. Uh, I don't think this will play into March like it did last year, but uh, I mean you know we're going to spend the next two months kind of keeping uh, you know our, our, an eye on what what the heck the Phillies are doing, and I, I just I just think that they've kind of gone about it in kind of a weird way. I know that they had to go starting pitcher with the first 
like the first big signing, and that's what they did. And they identified Zach Wheeler because they didn't want to get. And I think that wheel, you know, the signing of Wheeler kind of fits, you know, th- what you what you think, and that there's no way they're going after Cole because if they were going to go after Cole, um, then they would probably not have thrown the amount of money that they threw at Here, Wheeler. Here's what I'll say about Wheeler, though, and, and why I think contextually in the way that this thing played out. It makes some sense, and not just because he's less expensive than Strasburg or Cole. I think that one of the problems the Phillies ran into last season is that they were held hostage by Bryce Harper, or at least, at the very least, they were held hostage by the Bryce Harper situation, right? And so there were so many things that they did not address because that lingering question remained, and it remained all the way well into spring training. And I, I kind of almost feel like after going through that process that the team may be reluctant this season to say or this offseason to say, hey, yeah, you know what, we, let's get involved in that. We're willing to wait it out. I, I almost think that this year it was more, hey, like we need to be aggressive. We need to figure out what we're doing early on. Let's execute the plan early and then go from there. And I think the likelihood of, of signing Cole for all the reasons that we've heard about a million times this offseason, he's a West Coast guy, the Yankees are involved, they're willing to throw record money. I just don't think that this is a battle that the Phillies are going to be able to win. And I think the Phillies probably realize that as well. When it comes to Steven Strasburg, unless you were willing to dump $280 million in his lap. and, and well, that I don't, contract was unbelievable. It's unbelievable, right? And I know there's deferred money, and I get all of that. It, there's, what, $80 million deferred on the back of that deal, I believe. Yeah. But, I mean, that's still real money, and it's still money that they're going to ultimately have to fork up. I just look at that, and I go, I don't know that the Phillies ever would have been really in the Steven Strasburg market. I mean, it, it, the indication it sort of seems like he always wanted to go back there, you know, certainly at least after the way things played out in October. So to me, it's almost like Zach Wheeler became the obvious candidate because I don't think that they were really ever going to be players for Garrett Cole or for Steven Strasburg. And and certainly he is the best option after that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't disagree with anything that you just said. I really don't. Um, But that doesn't necessarily you know make me want to start you know seeing things with you know rainbows and and unicorns with the phillies i mean i just I, yeah i i don't think you're wrong by any stretch of the imagination but i don't i don't know if that approach necessarily gets you to where you need to be or where you want to be next season i mean there's there are there are so many holes on this on this team and in this organization and they're not going to be able to fill them all this off season. We, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not crazy enough to think that they could go out and find the ten pieces that they need <laughs> in one off season. But I do, I, I do think Bob that if you, if they had a little bit, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to criticize them yet. Like I said, maybe if they, maybe they do stuff here over the next two months and and, and the puzzle pieces fit together better and then I go, oh, okay, now it, it makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, and I think it's worth noting and, and if you're, if you are a, a normal listener to the show, you know, we try to keep it real as much as we can. I don't want to come across overly negative. It's just, I, I think it's just, we're grading on an incomplete curve here. We don't know, we don't know what the full picture is going to be. Like, this makes sense in a way, but if this is it, Right. And if this is all they do, then I don't really get it. It's like you're again, you're spending big money. You're you're kind of showing that you're all in. 
but you're not really all in. And it, I almost feel like we could be headed right back down the same road that we, we went through or, you know, that we went down last season, which was let's see how things go. And if we get to July and it makes some sense, then maybe we'll step on the gas and try to get, get to the finish line. And if, if things aren't going so well, then, then maybe we won't. It just sort of feels the same way. And it, it's weird saying that considering the financial commitments here. You know, $14 million to D.D. Gregorius in 2020, that's, that's a big financial investment, though it's short term. The money that you're paying Zach Wheeler, that's a significant financial investment. To me, it's like you've – if these signings don't make sense to me if you don't go out and – make another big splash. Now, maybe that big splash comes via trade. Maybe it's in the form of Chris Bryant. I, I doubt it. I'm not holding my breath waiting for that deal. Um, maybe it's in the form of truly being active in the Anthony Rendon market. I doubt it. I, I think that this is the Phillies infield, what you see right now. And, and certain guys maybe moved around and bounce around a little bit positionally, but I think this is it. I just don't see the move that they can make other than trading for a Bryant or signing a Rendon, that's going to be a true difference maker. Like, I just think we're staring at a, a, an okay team right now. And if you're not going to spend this money, then why spend $23 million on Zach Wheeler? I mean, I, I just, what they're doing makes some sense, but it doesn't make some sense if you're going to hedge. And, and that's what I don't understand. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that you've, you're, you're spot on with this, Bob. I mean, you really are. Uh, look, let's, well, let's, let's get into Gregorius while, while, okay. we're, while we're here because I mean, this is, this is a good spot for this. Um, I look at it as the Phillies sat there and said, okay, look, Gene Segura cannot play shortstop defensively. And I hate to be the guy to be the I told you so. <laughs> you did. You did. You said you thought he'd be playing second base within a year or two of this contract. Yeah, yeah. because I didn't. I, like uh, when I watched him play shortstop, I'm like, yeah, he 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 makes easy plays look hard. And, yeah. and they're like, oh man, look at that great play he made. Yeah, if the but, Phillies were good last year, that would have been much more noticeable. Yeah, I agree. But there I were agree. so many other just gaping holes in that team that it kind of went overlooked. It, it did go overlooked. So, so Gregorius is hands down a defensive upgraded shortstop. He's an excellent defensive shortstop. Excellent. My concern is is that this is a this is a team. The Phillies, and we've listened to Clentac say, we've listened to McPhail say it. We haven't heard Girardi say it yet, but I mean, I'm sure at some point he will. That the Phillies want batters who control the strike zone who give you good at-bats, who get on base, who have that strong OPS. And Didi Gregorius does not fit that description one little bit. One little bit. He does not get on base. He's not a good on-base guy. Um, he's had a couple seasons where he's hit for average, so that kind of brought like the OPS up a little bit. But he's had swings. The, his OPS has been all over the map. The closest he had two seasons back-to-back were um, 33 points apart in OPS, and that was 17 and 18 with the Yankees, which were, his, in fairness, his two best seasons. Sure. Uh, with 796 OPS and 17, 829 and 18. But he's been all over. The, he went from 829 to 718 last year. And if you go back before the, those seasons with New York, he was in the mid-sixes. He was over seven one year. He started, you know – it, it's he's all over the place. He, and, he's, and an not, he's an interesting he's an interesting study. I mean, a hitter, Bob. He he doesn't strike out a ton. No, 
he does not walk. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at it and you see here, like his career high is 48 walks, I believe, which came in 2018. Yep. And he also had a career high 335 on base percentage. I mean, over 3,000 plus plate appearances, the guy has a 313 on base percentage. So it's almost like Ben Revere, you know, like when you look at it. <laughs> yes. Ben Revere was certainly without the power. I guess I go back and I don't expect the 2019 version of him that's coming off the Tommy John surgery. I don't, I don't expect a 718 OPS, and certainly the Phillies don't either. I also don't think that you're going to get that elite level play with the significant pop that he had in 2017, 2018. You know, I don't, I don't expect 25 home runs this year from Didi Gregorius. I got, kind of go back and I say, like, what's the middle ground? Like, what could we reasonably expect? And I think if you look at his his first two seasons with the Yankees, in which, you know, you're talking about a guy who hit 265 in 2015, 276 in 2016, on-base percentage was 304, 318. The OPS in 2015 was under 700. 2016, it was at 750. I think if you can get like a 750 OPS out of him when it's all said and done and he hits you 20 home runs and plays that type of defense... I think the Phillies would probably be pretty happy about that, but there's been a lot of talk about Didi Gregorius over the last couple of days. Like you're getting this like bona fide all-star shortstop, and that he's a complete game changer for this team. I, he's a he's an upgrade, and certainly he's a significant upgrade defensively. And I, you know, you heard Joe Girardi talk about him, spoke glowingly of him. I, I do think that there's going to be a a big boost in terms of the locker room chemistry, what he can bring that way in terms of leadership. He's, he's been known to be a clutch player. Like, I'll concede all of that, but I would be very nervous about this deal if it were next year, the deal that he's trying to sign, the three- to four-year deal where he's getting, you know, $45 million guaranteed. That, that I'd be very nervous of. But a guy that is only 29 years old, he'll be going into his age 30 season, coming off a pretty serious surgery, wasn't quite all the way back last year. I don't think it's a bad bet at one year for $14 million to, to take a gamble on him. And when you consider the alternative, I don't know what the alternative is unless it's a blockbuster trade for a guy like Bryant, which keeps Segura at shortstop, or going out and signing Rendon, which keeps, again, Segura at shortstop. But the alternatives are franchise-altering, ultra-expensive, super-aggressive moves I don't know. You you can't spend three hundred million dollars on multiple guys, and you still have to hand JT Real Muto a huge deal. So I get it. Like I understand what they're doing, but I feel like that this is a plan that makes them relevant and competitive once again into September. And I guess they're going to just hope we don't collapse this time. But they're still going to need guys to play above their heads. They're still going to need best case scenarios to play out. And I just. That's what I keep coming back to. Like, I'm okay with Didi Gregorius for a year, but I just don't see the end game. And I don't see it in 2020 for a team and an organization that talks about it's time to win. We have to win. It's self-imposed pressure. It's a self-imposed deadline. It's now. It's upon us. Then you better do something drastic because this is a fine move in a vacuum. But if this is it, I just, it's hard to get fired up about that. Yeah. And another thing. <laughs> with it is um, our good friend Scott Lauber uh, put out a you know mock lineup today um, and, and when I looked at it I was like yeah that's just not inspiring it, <laughs> it, it yeah. looks a lot like last year it, it, um, it doesn't look a lot different like it's here's, obviously here's the two variables right the two variables and, and, and definitely go through it I, I 
took a peek at it earlier, but yeah. you're hoping and you're going to need to. And it, it's kind of funny to me. We talked about Reese Hoskins and how maybe they would move on from him. Maybe they could get creative, find a team that was willing to take a risk, maybe you know trade an arm that needed to change the scenery that has a high ceiling as well. You know, Reese Hoskins was at the, the Girardi press conference. He was there with his then fiance, now wife. He was at the Phillies tree lighting uh, this weekend. He was around the park doing radio interviews and, you know, shaking kids' hands and all that stuff. Like, Reese Hoskins isn't going anywhere. They need, they need a big, big, big season out of him. And they need Bryce Harper to be what he was in the second half throughout the course of the year. If those two can do that, then this looks a little bit different. But... If yeah. you just replicate what happened in 2019, yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's, yeah, it's McCutcheon, I'm with you. <laughs> McCutcheon leading off. I mean, he was great before he got hurt. Who knows what he's going to look like coming yeah, back. Yeah, big question mark there. Yeah, uh, Segura hitting second, playing second. Um, I, I hope that he gets back to being the Segura that he was before he got to Philadelphia because the Segura he was here was not a, not a great version of him. Harper hitting third and right. Hoskins hitting fourth at first. Real Muto hitting fifth catching. Okay, fine. Gregorius batting sixth at short, Kingery batting seventh at third, Hazley batting eighth in center field. That bottom third of the lineup just kind of. Yeah. So what do you have? You you said Gregorius six, Kingery seven, Hazley eight. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so there's big ifs here. If if Gregorius gives you 2016, 2017 production, if. Scott Kingery takes another step, and he fell off at the end of last season. Yeah, you know, people forget time. that. He was he was fantastic for a while, and then he started to cool. And, you know, again, a guy that's getting acclimated, I still think that there's growth in Scott Kingery. The, the step that he took last season was significant. I think there's a lot of reason to feel feel pretty good about where Scott Kingery is right now. But, again, it's a question mark. Adam Hazley, for me, for my money, like he he actually outplayed my expectations last year. I thought that Adam Hazley was clear cut, nothing but a fourth outfielder. He showed glimpses at points last season that made me think that possibly he could be the bottom a bottom of the order type of guy that could start every day, play pretty good defense, and be a part on a on a good team. Uh, but again, that's a monster question mark that you're coming into the season with. So yeah, when you talk about the bottom third, there's a bunch of wild cards there for sure. There's just there's not a lot that you can really hang your hat on and say like I feel really good about this. Maybe other no. than Bryce Harper and, and Real Muto. Yeah, I mean it's it doesn't sound a lot different from last year. That's 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 what I'm saying. And and if that's what your lineup is, like I I still I still want to see another piece. I, I'm not sold on Adam Hazley being an everyday center fielder. And obviously Roman Quinn will be a factor for the, if he can stay, you know, you know the deal. Yeah. We don't even have to get into that, but. Right. Um, I, I still don't love the rotation. I still don't like the bullpen. Um, especially don't like the bullpen now that you have to have pitchers throw at least to three batters um, or in the inning. Uh, Let me ask you something. Do you believe, I had someone say this to me the other day, and I initially just completely dismissed it, but the more I thought about it, I said, nah, maybe. Do you think the Phillies, in their internal evaluations of the 2019 season, said, you know, it's that we lack leadership and we lack a certain it factor about us and our manager isn't good enough and he cultivated this, you know, just this completely – relaxed, laid-back atmosphere where there was no accountability, and that was really our primary issue. It wasn't that the lineup was, you know, 
insert deficiency here. It wasn't that, uh, you know, we had four relievers that couldn't crack 90 miles per hour with a fastball. It was just the culture. Because a lot of what the Phillies are doing right now seems to be about addressing culture. Certainly that starts with the managerial hire. D.D. Gregorius, you you know, you, you hear the things that get said about him and how great of a guy he is and what a great teammate he is and how hard he works. Like, do you think that the Phillies are like, hey, there's an extra five or six wins in here just based off of culture? I, well, I'm a believer in stuff like that, right? Yeah, like, so I, am I. I. Yeah, I mean, I, as a coach, I, I, I am. You know, if, yeah. I, if I didn't believe that, I, I probably wouldn't be coaching. Right. I'm, I'm certainly a believer that you can get more out of a team that might maybe has a little bit less skill if in fact it has that chemistry and it has a good group of people you know that that you that like to work together and and will you know will run through a wall for each other kind of thing i i do believe in that i do believe that there is an ability to get those extra couple wins um but is that enough that you know what i'm saying like i like I, i'd almost rather sit there and say okay they're adding another player that's going to you know you know increase their win total by 3 or 4 and then you add in the mix that okay, it's a good group and the culture is better. And all right, that maybe that's another two or three wins, you know. And then maybe you make a move in season that can maybe get steal you a win or two down the stretch. Now all of a sudden you're going from being an 81 win team to a 90 win team. And if you're a 90 win team, you have a real shot at the playoffs. So like that, that's how I look at it, right? And so yeah, so I mean I can I can kind of see that with the Phillies a little bit. Um, I just think that again, it's too maybe it's too early to, to criticize. So I'm and, not and you know, I think if the Phillies right now were in like let's say the AL Central, or I'll even say the NL Central. Like I understand the Reds are on the on the upswing, the Cubs are the Cubs, the Brewers have some talent, the Cardinals are always competitive, but you don't have a team in that division that you go, wow. You know, I don't think there's a team in the NL Central that is just far and away superior, at least at this point. The AL Central, same thing. You have. You know, the Twins and the Indians are are nice teams. White Sox have some young talent. Okay. But, like, if the Phillies were in these divisions, I, I could, like, maybe talk myself into, all right, well, I think that there are some things that could play out in their favor, and if they do and they all come to fruition, then the Phillies could find themselves as a 91-win team and atop the division at the end of the season. But when you exist in the NL East, I got to say, like – I just think that Atlanta is so far ahead of them. And by the way, it's not like Atlanta stood pat this offseason. It's not like they've been completely idle. They've gone out and they've made some really good moves to enhance that bullpen. So they were already a mile ahead of the Phillies. The Phillies are trying to make up ground. And when I I look at it, have they made up any ground? Maybe a little bit. But I don't think they've bridged this gap substantially enough that it makes a true difference. Like, I don't believe that the Phillies have, have... caught up to the Braves or surpassed the Braves. And then, oh, by the way, you have the World Series champion Washington Nationals in your division as well. And even if they lose Anthony Rendon, I mean, you know, Victor Robles, you know Juan Soto, the, the pitching is still fantastic. It's a problem. I just don't see where the Phillies can can look at this thing right now and say, like, we're a player in this division. Nope. They and cannot. that's why I feel like it feels a lot like, though it will look different, it feels a lot like you're going to get a team similar to 2019 where you think for stretches, hey, maybe, but then ultimately you kind of know in your heart of hearts that it probably isn't going to be good enough. Now, obviously that can all change with one or two moves. Maybe they have something up their sleeve. Maybe this is coming. And I don't want to say like that this is what it is. This is what we're going into the off se- or we're going into the regular season with. But again, I just 
I want to be excited. People are like, hey, like, how do you feel about this team? Are you excited to cover them this year? And I'm, I'm excited to cover them because I like my job, but like, I just, I'm not there with them yet. And I, I feel like a broken record, but it's hard for me to believe. And I see people that are so excited about this team right now. And I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to throw cold water on that, but I just, I don't see it, Anthony. <laughs> and all not, of our listeners gonna... are like, yep, that's the, uh, that's the pessimism that uh, we missed, you know? Yeah. I... Hey, Bob, by the way, just so you know, and, and I do, by the way, I do agree with you, but um, even though we haven't had a pod for such a long time, <laughs> We actually got another five-star review, and I want—I think it was appropriate that you said what you just said because I want to read it real quick. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, they say. Yes. Uh, here it is. This is from uh, Dylan Eaton, ten fifteen. Uh, little negative, but fantastic pod. Five stars. Love listening to you guys every week. Wish you posted more. Little negative sometimes, but other than that, you guys are one of the best Phillies pods out there. Ah. Well, that's that's nice. So yeah, I mean, so you're. I think you're right. I think that the people listen just to hear us be negative. Yeah, like okay, like I, I got the the excited hype reaction. Now, like, let me hear someone kind of talk us talk us back a step or two. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think listen, people. I do think people look for balance. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I just I love the Phillies growing up. Like, I, I think it's important that that people kind of understand this. Like. I would like to have this conversation with you. We may have talked about it at some point, but I loved the Phillies as a kid. I loved the Phillies as a fan up until, you know, three years ago when I started writing for Crossing Broad. And and then we obviously were credentialed last season and we had access and I'm standing in the locker room and I go, yeah, this is, this is cool. You know, at first there was a little bit of an awe factor. I root for the Phillies and I'm not going to play the, like the, the the standard. Well, if you're in the business, you're not a fan of anyone. Like I want the Phillies to do well. I I root for them. I I want them to succeed. I want the city to be happy. So like, yeah, am I completely objective when it comes to the Phillies, or am I completely, you know, just up in the in the press box going like, yeah, they can win, they can lose. I don't care as long as my story gets done in in 2:45. I'm good. No, like I, I want the Phillies to do well. Like I want to be excited right now. I want to hop on here and be like, here we go, you know. And but I'm just not there. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I, I grew up here too, Bob, and used to used to be a uh, sixteen game ticket holder. My dad and my uncle used to take me to the games, um, and uh, loved going down every every game. And even as I got older. Um, just would love going to games. Love taking my kids to the games. I still like going to games. I, I just, I just enjoy it. And there's nothing better in this town. I, I say it repeatedly. Nothing better in this town, and it is a football town. But there's nothing better than the baseball team being really, really good. Ah, because people live and die by it every night. Every you know, night, every night. What we went through from '07 to '11 was magical was magical like it was every waking moment for nine months of the year we all we talked about was the Phillies and it was cool and we I think what the reason why we tend to be a little bit more negative you and I is because we want that back and we know there's a path to that and that the Phillies could be on that path to that and we see them take too many strides off of the path, 
and say, what are you doing? Just get back to where you need to be. We were on our way. We well, were going to see the wizard. It's you interesting know, like, that you we, compare. There. You talk about what, what 2007 to 2011 looked like and the way that that felt. And you knew that you were watching a contender. You knew you were watching a, a very good baseball team that had the pieces both in terms of talent and they also had the moxie and the intestinal fortitude. And, you know, they had the balls. We're not on the radio tonight, you know, so like they had the balls to do it. Even when you got to the end of last season and in 2018 when they were a game or game game and a half, two games out, and it's like 25 games left, and you're like, well, they're in contention. I guess this is a playoff race. But you knew in the back of your mind that you weren't watching a true contender. You weren't watching a championship-caliber baseball team. You were watching a, a shitty team, a fatally flawed team that was – lucky that there were not other teams up until a certain point that kicked it into full gear and ran away with the with those positions those playoff spots and once they did the Phillies couldn't keep up I just right now feel like that that's the best case scenario this season again is that you have a team that, that's got some parts that can give you some nights can give you some moments where you go well yeah maybe but you know that it's just not quite what it needs to be yet. And maybe it gets there, but it's not quite what it needs to be yet. And I, I miss that feeling, like you said. I truly want them to get back to that for the city, for you know my friends, my family, the people that we interact with on a daily basis. Like I think we all want the same thing. I just – I'm so – damn skeptical about it you know we've texted back and forth for those of you that are like what the hell have you guys been doing the last two months like I've taken on some different projects you're obviously tied up with the flyers and what you're doing uh with the website with the flyers and you'll text me occasionally like hey this guy's an interesting an interesting name or you know somebody was non-tendered by this other team and I just go yeah okay (laughs) you know I'm like "Uh uh-huh yeah yeah that's a good name I guess yeah maybe like I just I don't know what it is, man. I don't know if the last two seasons just drained the shit out of me, if that's what it is, but um, I got to get it back. Usually this time of year, I'm very excited. You start to see the, the, the hot stove kind of kick into full gear. You see it rev up, and I just don't, just don't feel that way right now. I really don't. No, and it's, it's going to take a while. I mean, you're not quite apathetic, but you're getting there um, until, until, uh, until the team shows you a little something. And uh, you're right. They have there's there's not the juice like the juice that you want. It's not there yet. So and it, it might oh, not come, Bob, until the season. Yeah, maybe it might not come until maybe. into the season. Um, is there a move that they can make? Like, let me ask you this, and and I want to wrap this up kind of soon. Um, is there a move that the Phillies can make? And I know that they need multiple parts, but is there one singular move that this team can make that that would change the way that you feel about them? Well. I mean, yeah, I mean, either uh, Cole or Rendon would immediately go and go to that direction. Um, I, I don't think either one's going to happen, but I, yeah, I mean, either one of those. If not, no, there's no way. Yeah, so if we were going to characterize those as unrealistic moves or unrealistic possibilities, is there something that is beyond that or, you know, no. short of that, I guess I could say, that would maybe give you the same type of vibe? No, there's no one move. Are there multiple moves that can make me feel that way? Yeah, but no one move can can do it because there's not. 
I mean, unless there's a trade for a stud player that we're not thinking about, like, oh, my God, who knew that this guy was going to be available and the Phillies went out and were able to work some kind of magical deal to get him. Um, no. I mean, I, the Phillies, to me, are, are in a situation where it's going to take multiple roster changes from this point to the start of the season to have me sit there and say, oh, yeah, I, I think I'd get excited about this team right now. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Make sure you head down to the ballpark and swing by the store and pick up all your Phillies gear. Oh, uh, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I you know, I, I think that um, I think they're heading in the right direction. Maybe <laughs> you know, it, it feels like they kind of are, but yeah, you know, there's a, a long walk through the woods that they they need to kind of finish here to get to the other side. So I, I, I actually, I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean, I I will say this. I I think that the Gregorius move. I actually like it on one year at fourteen million dollars. I I don't think that there's a lot of downside to the move. Frankly, uh, it doesn't it doesn't hamstring you moving forward. I like right. the Girardi hire. I actually love the Girardi hire. Um, overall, I'm, I'm somewhat bullish on on Wheeler. Uh, and and I think that you know the thing that's so weird about it is that like. When I look at it, 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 each of these moves in isolation, I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. It just hasn't added up to the, that significant feeling that I'm, I'm looking for. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's, it's just been a kind of everything's just been like, meh, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. I, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out over the next two months, um, and I'm sure that we won't wait two months before we dust off the microphones again. I can I promise you that it will be less we'll than two months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, but until that time that we reconvene here on Crossed Up, um, make sure you uh, check out our shows on 610 ESPN every Monday from 5 to 7. Uh, we have Crossing Broad uh, podcasts that are on the radio live uh, for the first hour from 5 to 6 is Russ Joy and I doing the Snow the Goalie podcast all about the Flyers and then from 6 to 7 uh, it's usually the four of us although I missed this week Bob you missed a week Kevin missed a week so it's it's at least three guys uh, out of the four uh, between me Bob Kevin Kincaid Russ Joy uh, we usually do the second hour from 6 to 7 so don't miss that and then stick with the podcasts not just ours uh, but if you're a soccer fan check out it's always soccer in Philadelphia Kevin Kincaid's Philadelphia Union podcast uh, and then also uh, Crossing Broad FC with uh, Russ Joy uh, and Phil Kaidel. And uh, yeah, did we get a chance to mention who we're brought to by today? Was that a thing? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we, do are, we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I apologize. Yes, we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Russell, kill me because I'm not going to do the actual read. Uh, but I can tell you some things about DraftKings Sportsbook. It's available in both New Jersey and Pennsylvania. They're offering a $500 risk-free first bet for uh, new users uh, loaded with different game props, player props, full betting options, parlays, teasers. Uh, if you want to bet on it, you can do it at DraftKings Sportsbook. They have live betting options, in-game betting options as well. Um, terrific app, easy to use, very sleek. Uh, great for beginners and advanced bettors both. Uh, spent a lot of time looking at it. Um, spent a lot of time uh, writing content based on DraftKings uh, Sportsbook. Uh, and it is definitely uh, the premier app uh, in the legal mar- uh, both legal markets in New Jersey and Pennsylvania.
Pennsylvania. So uh, though that's not the official read, again, you can download DraftKings Sportsbook, um, and it's a $500 risk-free first bet. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Usually we give out picks with it too, but we've kind of forgot about it, so we'll skip we'll skip giving yeah. the pick this this yeah. time. Oh, we could have lied and said we did this before the Sixers game. I, I like the Sixers by uh <laughs> let's see here, uh, five tonight. I think they're gonna win a low scoring affair in ninety seven ninety two. Uh how yeah. about that? Yeah. Good call by you, Bob. Yeah. Uh <laughs> um but uh you know, one thing I, I will say, um, is that I finally got back uh back on the horse on the hockey picks. After after two losses in a row, got had a winner tonight. So I had the Lightning beating the the uh, Panthers. I gave that as my DraftKings pick of the week on Snow the Goalie on Monday. Big win by the Lightning tonight uh, on the road, 2-1. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, uh, Staved off a, a surging Panthers team in that third period yeah, there. So, yeah. so I've improved, improved my uh, DraftKings picks to 8-4. and four. In hockey. That's pretty so good, yeah. Not was, bad, right? We were talking to some people uh, on the message board that, that sampled some of my selections this week, and uh, it was a little bit of an up-and-down week, so now we pick every game, which uh, is challenging. Yes. So uh, made picks across the board. Ended up going 7-9-1 and one after the Eagles. I uh, thought I was going to be able to finish 500. The Eagles did not cover last night. Um, I don't know. We're still hitting fifty six percent for the season. I mean, it's not not gonna make anybody rich, but uh, not bad either. So, we're, no, we're if, you're, if you're if you're betting smart, yeah, fifty six percent is cash. Yeah, forty seven, yeah. uh, forty seven, thirty nine, and two. I believe it is off the yeah. top of my head. So, yeah. I just wonder. I'm not sure. I, I, you can tell me no. I mean, I don't know if you know yeah. the answer, but uh, have you kept track of the value of that bet of those bets? Well, yeah, I mean, so everything is just uh, against the spread. So what you what you deal with there okay, is so just you, you know obviously you're you're losing one hundred and ten on a hundred dollar bet uh, on every loss. So that's why it, it, you know the profit starts to shrink a little bit. I believe that that does keep you in the plus side without looking at it. I do believe fifty six percent will keep you in the black, but uh, not not substantially. So I mean, if you're hitting sixty percent though, you're out of your mind. So right, right. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway. Uh, good stuff, Bob. It was good to uh, it was good to get the get the uh, band back together for an episode, and uh, we'll do this again soon. Hopefully, the Phillies will give us something else to talk about. Sounds good. We'll see everybody uh, on Monday afternoon, uh, five o'clock, right? Five o'clock. Five o'clock. All right. Yeah, you and Russ will be talking Flyers. We'll jump on Crossing Broadcast at six p.m. We'll see you guys then.
Uh, so for, for Bob Wankel, I'm Anthony Sanfilippo. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you Monday on 610 ESPN Radio.